The world is changing. Everything has shifted, including how we relate to each other. We hear, but we do not listen. We're together, but feel alone. We speak, but struggle to communicate. It doesn't have to be this way. We can all adjust the way we relate to one another. Well, we're kicking off a brand new series called Relation Shifts, and I believe the key to, and the most successful thing about this series is all in the pronunciation. We want to make sure we really pronounce Relation Shifts, if you know what I'm saying. So why don't you all try it with me? Ready on the count of three? One, two, three. Relation Shifts. Yes, fantastic. So I, I'm just a firm believer. Really, it's an observation I've made in my own life, but um, also watching all of you. So thanks for being here so I could just observe your life. Um, I, I've just sort of felt like, man, over the last two and a half to three years, the way we have done relationships um, needs to shift. I'd like to say as a society, we're not well relationally. We could be better. Quick poll of the room, and those of you online, please chime in as well. How many of you in the last two and a half, three years has screwed up a relationship? You made a mistake in a relationship. Put that, those hands up. Okay, put them up high. Come on. This is going to be so good for us. This is great for our soul. Everyone look around at the hands that are raised. And if someone next to you is not raising their hand, you need to grab it and shake it violently in the air. Okay? We've all done this. Now, isn't it true that, um, you know, sometimes you have difficulty in relationships because, because it's, it's, it's your fault. And then um, other times we have difficulties in relationships because it's someone else's fault. And isn't it true, wouldn't you agree with me, it's almost always the other person's fault? It just is. It's almost always the other person's fault. And um, let me prove it to you. Um, if they didn't post that on Facebook, I wouldn't have to respond this way. If we weren't friends and didn't have this, you know, if they didn't mention this in the conversation of our friendship, then I wouldn't have had to say this. If they would only see the world the way that I see the world, then everything would be okay. The problem is I am right and they are wrong. Yeah, you said it with me, good. They are wrong. And it would be unloving, unchristlike of me to let them live and exist in their wrongness. So I have to go and tell them what is right. Do you see the relationship that needs to occur? This method of relationships is not working. It's not leading to thriving relationships. And we, and we know this, but we, we fail. It's like watching a train wreck. You're like, oh no, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And we just watch the whole thing just unfold right before us. And here's what I mean. Some of us, we double down on our rightness and their wrongness. And if they would just see it my way, they would understand. We double down because, because we reach into our bag of tricks and pull out a C word, it's called control. So we try to go and control the other person because if we can control them, then they'll act and react the way that we do, which of course is the right way to do. And I love you and I want you to be right just as I am right. So when control doesn't work, we reach even deeper into our bag of tricks and we then pull out another C word called convict. 
And not only do we convict them of their wrongness, but if you're a Christian, you put a little sauce on it and you say, not only are you wrong, but you're also acting in sin. So then we're trying to control and we're trying to convict. And if that doesn't work, we go, oh man, what do we do? We reach for anything and everything we can to manipulate other people so that they will respond appropriately, which of course is our way, the right way, the appropriate way, the God-honoring way. How many of you, does this work in your marriage just out of curiosity? <laughs> no, zero hands, fantastic. It doesn't work, so we have to shift. And I, I honestly think uh, we can trace a lot of this back to COVID. Certainly relationships um, were different before COVID, still you know, could use some improvement, but I just think we picked up some really bad habits and coping mechan mechanisms along the way. See, when COVID hit, we had this weird thing that I've never experienced before where we would stand next to one, of people, one another and we would wonder, like, we're breathing the same air. Are, are either one of us going to get sick and die? Or maybe we won't, but we'll bring it home and will a relative or a loved one, will they get sick? Will they be in the hospital for months? What are we going to do? So not only do we have COVID issues, we then had vaccine mandates, which to me felt more, uh, more like a political choice than a health choice, but we had to wrestle with that, right? And everyone had a different stance on where they landed on those things. Do we mask? Do we measure six feet of social distancing? Do we not? We're playing all these games and then it gets even better. We had racial unrest, we had economic problems, and then we have political problems. And we're all trying to have relationships with one another, yet build these defensive walls so that we're safe, so no one hurts us, so we know who our people are, and more importantly, who our people are not. And this created this, what I would call just this great divide. We had my team, and then there was your team. It was us versus them, and you just didn't know. And it was kind of rude to bring it up, but everyone was thinking it. So you just said, well, why don't I just say what everyone's thinking? And then they went, oh, how dare you say what we're all thinking? And then you got blindsided and you got checked and you're like, okay, well, sorry, I, di I didn't know. But once again, we go through these patterns. Well, if I can control this environment, if I can convict people to see things my way, then everything will be okay. And that person's out of line. So let's try and manipulate them. Then there will be um, harmony in the group. And just didn't work that way. And in fact, I think it led to more isolation and more division. And so here we are coming out of it, and I just, I firmly believe as school starts and as our schedules get increasingly busier, if we don't stop now, we're gonna be in even bigger trouble. So this whole series is relation shifts. We're going to shift the way that we relate to one another. And we could solve, we could sum up this whole issue that I'm talking about in one word. It's this word right here. Loneliness. Loneliness. I believe that loneliness is alive and well, not just in society, but in our church and possibly in our families. And this is a extremely important problem that we must address. Um, I was, was, as we're prepping for small groups, Sarah sent me an email with a link to a website. It's called www.rootsofloneliness.com. I encourage you to go there. It is loaded with stats. I'm gonna read you just a handful of them because I want to overwhelm you at how large this problem is. There's a solution, but I want us to be overwhelmed first. Okay, you ready? You're like, why are we at church? <laughs> I brought a friend. Like, that'll teach you. Okay, loneliness in the United States. 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. The key word there is report. They're the ones that actually admit it. 47% of Americans report their relationships with others are not meaningful, they're shallow. 57% of Americans, single or not, report eating all meals alone. 
we just let that sink in for a quick second? Those are big numbers. Loneliness by age, 80% of people under the age of 18 report being lonely sometimes. 73% of millennials, probably the parents of many of those 18 or under, 73% of millennials say they are lonely. That's consistent, consistently lonely. 22% of Gen X say that they have no close friends, like zero close friends. 56% of people ages 50 to 80 experience feelings of isolation. Loneliness by gender, according to this website, 46% of men and 45% of women report being lonely. I don't wanna just read numbers. I want us to actually see this and experience this. So here's what I need. I need everybody to stand up. Everyone stand up with me, if you're able, if you're able. If you're online and you're watching at your home, you need to stand up with everyone as well. If you're on a jog, keep, keep jogging. You're doing great. You can make it one more mile. Okay, 46% of men and 45% of women report feeling lonely. So here's what I need. This half of the room, sit down. Now everyone look at the other side. It's roughly 50%, right? I'm gonna round up. So everyone sitting down, they're all lonely. I know, right? <laughs> Let's just flip it so no one feels bad. Everyone sitting down, those weird people standing, they're lonely. <laughs> now, okay, everyone sit down, you're, you're great. Well done, well done. But I want us to actually see that. I want us to actually see that. And what I think is fascinating, if it is in fact 50%, that's half, which means there really is one for one. So it's not a numbers issue of like, you know, things are disproportionate. If it's roughly 50%, it, it, that's a match, which means there's enough people for us not to be lonely. Are you with me? We don't have a, a loneliness problem. We have a relationship problem that is leading to loneliness. So we can solve this thing. And for some of you, I can feel it already. You're like, hey, can we stick to the gospel and not just loving people? Jesus summed the whole thing up. He said, he said the most important thing you can do is love God and love people. This is the gospel message. We find people, we bring them into the body of Christ. They experience his love through his people. They put their hope, their faith, and dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ. This is not just a simple be, you know, be a better friend sermon. This has everything to do with the church and our purpose for existing. Many people don't walk away from the church because they don't believe what the church proclaims. They just haven't experienced the love of Christ that the church proclaims. That's a relational thing. So this is vitally important and worth our time. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's, there's room for improvement. We can fix this, but we have a lot of work to do. Okay, school just started, right? How many of you, you got parents, you dropped them off? Or parent, what? How many of you are parents, you dropped your kids off? Think before you speak. <laughs> I, I think we can do this. I think we can solve this problem. Now, new math has rearranged the numbers a little bit, but I think this is right. Um, if you're lonely and you're lonely, you can come together and have a solid friendship and, and we eliminate loneliness, right? I, I think we can do that. I think... I think we can solve this problem. I think we can point one another towards Jesus. I think we can love one another like Jesus. And I think we can stand back and watch the world change before our eyes.
Because I'm telling you, this doesn't exist in our society right now. And I believe the church is ripe with a wonderful possibility to lead the way in restoring relationships. And when the world sees us leading the way of this is how you love people, how you forgive them, how you connect with people, they're going to see that and they will see our God. Because we didn't make this up, we got it from him. This is incredibly important. We have the solution and we can do this. And I truly believe that the time is right now. We have a wonderful opportunity and I don't want any of us to waste a second of it. So we have to shift the way we are doing relationships. And here's the first one. If you're taking notes, this is the big idea. We're gonna shift from loneliness to connection. From loneliness to connection. For all my Gen Zers, you're like, look, we're already connected. Look at my social media. I got thousands of friends. I would say, no, you don't. You don't have deep, intimate friendships with thousands of people on your social media. I'm glad they're following you and they're double tapping and liking everything and everything's great. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, kneecap to kneecap, eyeball to eyeball. I see you. I know you. You see me. You know me. That is difficult to do over social media. You might be able to do it with a handful, but the hundreds of friends that you have on social media, good luck. I can't even do it with hundreds of people in a room, let alone a screen. You are not connected. There's a different word. I'll talk about it in a little bit in point number two. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this connection is an intimate connection where I walk into church on Sunday and someone goes, hey, Steve, how's it going? And I give the church answer. I play this card all the time. Good. That's great. Things are good. Blessed and highly favored, hallelujah. And because we are connected, my friend will look at me and go, yeah, I don't buy it. What's really going on? That's hard to do over social media because we know everyone's just posting their highlight reel. And the psychology is so weird behind this. We know it's the highlight reel, but you ever just sat there and you scroll through by yourself on the couch all alone, you're scrolling through and you look at the highlight reel and you're like, oh, my life sucks compared to them. Look at all the fun they're having. Even though we know it's the highlight reel, That's why we need relationships and friends that actually know us and go, that's not real. You do have a good life. Or maybe they're honest and go, your life's kind of crummy right now. Actually, can I help walk with you through this and make some changes? We need this. We need to shift the way we do relationships. So with that being said, um, I want to jump right in. I want to jump right in. So number one in your notes, number one is this. You may be lonely, but you are never alone. You may be lonely, but you are never alone. Psalm 193, verses seven through 10. This is David, and he wrote it. He says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. He's everywhere. That's exactly what he's saying. He's everywhere. Verse nine, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the seed, Uh, the far side of the sea, excuse me, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. It's not just this idea that God is everywhere, but if you are a Christian, he is everywhere and here. Don't forget that truth. It's not just that God is around us, God is in us. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. And it may be cliche and you grew up in church and you've heard this a million times, but I'm telling you, we have to understand this because this is the foundation that we do relationships. We have to get this right. God is with us 
and in us. And what's it say? What's it say at the very end right there? Verse nine or verse 10, it says, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. In those moments, God is guiding you. He's directing you. He's protecting you. He's keeping you safe. He's guiding you. He's working on some things. The half-brother of Jesus, James, he says this in James chapter four, verse eight. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Is that not the most profound thing you've ever heard before in your life? All I have to do is draw near to God to pursue God and he will draw near, he will pursue me. It's not, it's not hitting you, is it? The creator of the universe just gave us a, a, a little snippet in one sentence of how he operates relationally with his creation, us. We draw near to him, he draws near to us. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. Talking about God's hand guiding and protecting and providing. I can remember when I was back in college, and um, maybe like many of you, I grew up with a really close group of friends. Like we just did our whole life together growing up. And I can remember being in college and coming to the realization that we're, we're all starting to grow and go our own separate ways. Changes in the air. If you don't know this about me, I'm extroverted. I like people. I like to be around people. I like a lot of energy from people. And because we had all grown up together, there was just this assumption I had that we would stay friends forever. But God was leading us all down our own path, and those paths were different. And I experienced a great season of loneliness. I went to a Christian university. There's people everywhere, a rather large one at that. There's people everywhere, and everyone's like, you got to get connected, and and everyone needs to be around everyone. Did you sign up for this? Did you serve here? Are you doing all these things? And I just felt so alone. Isn't it interesting? You can be in a large group of people and feel all alone. I would sit in the back of Wednesday night chapel, listening to the worship music playing, and the guest preacher or the campus pastor preaching, and I would sit in the back of the room and just wrestle with God and go, why am I so alone? You're taking these friends. We've done everything together. And I think we did friendship that honored you, God, and yet we're drifting apart. We're we're moving on to the next thing. I didn't even have the language to describe it. I said, God, what are we doing? And it was through those moments, through lots of prayer and lots of scripture reading, I realized that God was taking that opportunity of me being lonely and the amount of effort that I was putting in to connecting with him, drawing near to him and him drawing near to me. I kind of realized this. I felt like he was whispering this into my soul, saying, Steve, there's some things we need to work on now. If we don't address these things now, they will destroy your future friendships. But listen, I wouldn't have learned that if I didn't go through that season of loneliness because I don't know if you ever do this. You know there's something important you have to deal with, but instead you just brush it to the side and go do something else. You ever done that with homework? If you're an extrovert, you do that with people. You're like, ah, I can't do this. I'm gonna procrastinate. I can't do that because so-and-so needs me. And if you're in the church world like I am, it's even more godlier because you're like, I gotta pray with everybody, Lord. I don't have time to deal with my character flaws because I have to, I gotta help them. I'm a pastor. And I just felt Jesus going, okay, hold up. (laughs) Steve, we need to strip all this stuff away so that you can't go and cling onto that and have that as your coping mechanism. You and I need to do some work and we're going to reveal some things about you and your character and your soul that we have to deal with them now. 
because they will sabotage future relationships. I'm going, God, this is college. I need to be around friends. I, I gotta find me a wife. Like, this is college. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, Steve, Steve, if you don't do this now and I introduce you to your spouse, you will lose her because we need to address an issue now so that you're prepared for the future. I'm taking a long time on this because I'm telling you, if you are lonely, you are not alone. It could be that you need to do some work with God. And this is the perfect time for you to do that. He wants to reveal something in you. There's a shift in your character, in your mind, how you view the world, how you view him, how you view other people. And the Holy Spirit wants to get in there and address those things. And it stings in the beginning. It certainly stings in the beginning, but I am so glad I went through that then. So I didn't have to go through it now. You may feel alone. I'm telling you, you are never alone. There's a God who is always with you, no matter what. Second thing is this in your notes, belonging does not equal connecting. Belonging does not equal connecting. And what we do is that we settle. And in church, this is fascinating. In church, um, we're always like, everyone belongs, everyone's welcome, you belong here. And we do, and yet we want more than belonging, don't we? We actually don't want belonging, we want connection. Belonging doesn't equal connection. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, how many of you play with Legos? You're like, we are full-grown adults. You should be playing with Legos. Okay, this is, this is a Lego box, is it not? Yes. Questions don't get any simpler than this, okay? This is a Lego box, right? Inside the box are Legos? This is what this is, right? All different shapes, sizes, colors. Now, here's the difficult question. Do Legos belong in the Lego box? Yes. Why? Because they're Legos and they go in a Lego box. That's what they do. Legos, like people, like people, belong together. All different shapes, sizes, colors, all of it. They all belong together. Why? Because they're people. Much like these Legos, us in a box right here, we belong together, why? Because we are the church and the church is made up of people. So people belong at church and people belong together when they're at church. But this is the problem. We're just belonging, we're not connecting. Now here's the difference. Here's what happens. Um, let's, find, let's use this one right here. So you go to church and you get really excited because they talk a lot about belonging and you want to get connected, but we just use Belonging terminology. And so we see a piece like this. We see a human being with a certain number of connectors. If you're extroverted, you got a lot of connectors. If you're introverted, two. <laughs> but you have your connectors right here. And so what's happening is you go in here and you're like, wow, the church is full of so many people of all different kinds. I can get connected. And so you see a group and you're like, okay, they got connected over there. And then I noticed that this person's connected right here. Even the introvert got connected right here. And look it, I go, man, I wanna get connected. And the problem is it's full. Everything's, everything's connected. This group is, is full. There's no more connectors here. And so what we do is we get frustrated and we go, well, that, they're a click. They're, they're isolating themselves. I, am I not good enough to be in that group? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Their connectors are full. There's only so many hours in a day. You only have so much relational bandwidth. Some of you are extroverted. Some of you are introverted. That's all we got. 
And what's amazing is, um, thank God you got more groups of people in the box, right? Which means this, you can come together and you're like, look, there's a piece and we got other things and this one's gonna connect right here and we'll put this, oh, that one's weird, let's get rid of that. There's a whole sermon on that right there. Yeah. So listen, listen, you can get connected. You can do all these things right here. Look at it. People are connecting. Praise the Lord. And this group right here, you know what happens to this group? They get, whoa. We lost one. We lost one. But hear me out. Hear me out. Look at it. Now you've got two groups of people connected, right? So now what are we doing? Friends, we're building a church. We're building a church. People are getting connected. And so you start doing these things and it's gonna look weird at times. It's gonna be different. You're gonna have some pieces that you're like, wow, that's a massively big piece right now. There's a season for that as well. But you have all these things and people are getting connected. We don't want belonging. We want connection. Don't settle for belonging. Listen, listen, I've been in the church game for a long time now. Listen, the same is true with your family, by the way. Just because you spend a lot of time doesn't mean you're connected. Some of you, you go to, you have a great family, lots of siblings, which means lots of grandbabies and aunts and uncles and cousins and all that stuff. And your family get together. You have to rent out like a whole hotel. You can be around a lot of people, but not be connected. Don't get me wrong. You belong there. That's family. But you might not be connected. We can have a big old church. And don't get me wrong, you belong there, but you might not be connected there. And here's what I've realized about some of these pieces right here. Some of these pieces, they've been connected for 20, 30, 40 years. And there's other pieces that, well, they're new. They just moved in. And they're having a hard time connecting. I wonder, I wonder if maybe you, you've, you've learned what you needed to learn and you've loved, how you've needed to love those people. And for some of you, I wonder if it might be time for you to disconnect from the group so that other pieces can connect to you and other pieces can connect to this amazing group that you had the joy and blessing to be a part of for so many years. We have to make room for one another. Even the weird Lego that I threw back, can we all be honest? Which one of us hasn't been weird at church? We're all weird at church. And if you think you're not, you're the weirdest of all. <laughs> Let me give you um, one more verse here. Romans 5, verse 17. This is Paul writing. He says this. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Did you know in church we sing a lot of praise, worship songs to God? Did you know by connecting to one another, we're praising God? Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I think that's amazing. But this accepting, here's what we do. We read the word accept and we're like, well, ah, that's just the way he is. Well, she just says that. So you just, you know, you got to accept him. That's not what he's talking about. When we accept one another that way, we're just allowing people to belong amongst us. That's not what Paul's talking about. This idea of acceptance that he's talking about is when you go to someone, you reach out your hand, you grab them, you invite them into your home for friendship 
and celebration. Is that not what Christ has done for us? Do, do, you, see, do you see what the, this is all about connection? Don't, don't settle for belonging. Connection is so much better. And lastly, probably the most practical step of all, number three in your notes, make the first move. You gotta go first. You gotta go first. And here's why. And all my married friends, we understand this intuitively. You have to go first. Do you know why? Because we can't read your mind. This means as an adult, maybe born and raised here in Linden, maybe as an adult in your 30s or 40s, you have to finally stand up and admit to yourself and other people. You may be embarrassed. You may even feel shame when it comes to this, but you have to stand up and simply say, I've been here for X number of years. I am still so lonely. And you have to go first. It, it breaks my heart when people leave the church and they go, well, they just, they didn't know. They didn't seem to care. They didn't do anything. They didn't help me. They didn't reach out to me. They didn't connect with me. And it's like, you didn't tell us. You didn't tell us. We, we got room. Guys, we are so blessed to be part of a big church. We, we got room for you. I promise you, we got room for you and we can get you connected, but you have to tell us. If you don't tell us, we, we don't know. We can't read your minds. I would love to. That would be amazing and terrifying. <laughs> but we, we don't know. We don't know. And so part of you going first is to simply sit here and say, I've grown up with these friends, but I feel so alone. I spend all my time with a family with my family, I feel like they don't even know me. I'm involved in all these things. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm constantly around people, and yet I feel so alone. And, and I know, Steve, I've heard it, right? Just because you feel alone doesn't mean you are alone. But I don't mean alone with just me and God. I mean alone without people. And the church is people. We need each other. So maybe for you, part of the shift that you need to make when it comes to you and your relationships is to just simply go first and be honest with yourself and other people. If these stats are remotely close, half of us in this room right now are consistently lonely. Half of us. 50%, that's still an F, right? As far as grading goes. We could, we could fix this real quick. We can fix it real quick. But we have to be strong enough. We have to risk. We have to be brave. And some of us need to be bold enough to actually admit that we need help, that we need connection because I'm sick and tired of feeling like I belong. We need connection. I look back over the spiritual growth in my life and sure, there's been a number of moments where it's been God and I and the Holy Spirit has done some stuff inside of me and I felt like, yes, like I'm growing in my faith. But can I tell you the overwhelming amount of times that I've seen grown, that I've seen growth in my faith has been because of people. It's the way we relate to one another. It's the conversations we have. It's the way we pray for one another. The overwhelming amount of spiritual growth in my life has been the result of relationships with people, being fully known and being seen. And, and, and I know we talk about small groups a lot and I, I will bang that drum probably until I die. But the, the bottom line truth is this, half of us in this room are lonely and the fix is easy. It's just other people. You have to get into a group. 
You have to get in a group. And you'll get in a group and you'll find one of those pieces and you're like, oh, it's weird, it wasn't a good fit. Can I tell you, it takes roughly three to five groups before you find your fit. Three to five. Don't give up on people, don't give up on the process. It just takes a while to find your fit, to get connected well. There's nothing wrong with that. It just takes a little bit of time. But what is terrible is if we just give, on that, give up on that and we just simply go, well, I'm just gonna belong in the box. I'm more familiar with the box. So I'll just stay there. People need you and you need people. And when we get this straight, when we are solid in this, life transformation, spiritual growth kicks into overdrive. And it is this, listen, listen, I said it before. I'm convinced that the church has the most God-given opportunity to transform the world. And it's gonna come down to the way that we relate to one another. So Lord, we come before you and we simply ask for your strength and your wisdom and your guidance in how to have these conversations. Help us to go first and admit to ourselves that we are in fact lonely. Father, help us to have gracious conversations with other people. Help us to invite one another to move from a shallow relationship into a deeper, more relationship with one another. Father, I pray that as society is looking, they're looking for all these quick fixes. We're trying to figure out who's for us, who's against us, and who's on our team, and who we have to stay away from. With all the unrest and all the divisiveness, Father, would you continue to give the church a wonderful opportunity to go right down the middle and just invite people into relationship with one another and with you. I pray, Lord, that we would be the type of people that when conflict arises, we would run straight to you and we would deal with it the way that your son Jesus deals with it. I pray, Lord, that when we love one another and the outside world who does not know you sees the way that we love and care for one another, they say, there must be a God. And Lord, would we have the opportunity to share with them your son Jesus and invite them into a relationship with him and with us. Lord, if there's anyone that feels they are not connected, I pray that they would take a step, they would join a group, they would talk to somebody before they leave this place. Help us, Father, to always be a church that is making room, not just for people to belong, but for people to be connected. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close by singing one last song.